Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. On this week's show we're just going to go straight in to an incredible interview Kieran had with world kickboxing champion Tony Stevenson. And before we hear from Tony Kieran, you might just tell us a little bit about him and then send us over. Yeah, Tony Stevenson... Um and now a two-time world senior kickboxing champion, which is incredible again here for West Cork. Um, we're so, so proud of when our local athletes um, conquer the world, and Tony Stevenson has twice. First time was 2009, and now 10 years later, he's a world senior kickboxing champion again, which is a phenomenal feat. Um, Tony's with West Cork Kickboxing Club. That's the club run by Ian Kingston, and of course, the likes of Lily Delacour, a former world champion and a two-time silver world medalist is also in that club so it's um it's been a very important club locally and achieved great things and caught up with tony earlier to chess about kickboxing life and how, how how martial arts has influenced his life and i suppose and how being a father has changed him as well so fierce inter- fierce interesting interview with tony so we cut straight to it now it's not too often that we have a world champion in the star studio but we do Today, welcome Tony Stevenson. Thank you, thank you for having me. Um, Tony is a world senior kickboxing champion, the second time he's won it. Ten years in between your your two wins, 0-9 and 2019. Um, just a couple of weeks ago in Sarajevo, you won world gold for the second time. But let's go right back to the start first, Tony. Um, why kickboxing? Um, I joined kickboxing when I was um, really young. Um, when I was six years old, six just turning seven, I uh, I joined to um, get my confidence up. I had a bit of a stammer when I was younger, so I had an issue with talking properly. And um, my dad uh, brought myself along with my um, brother and my sister down to to he knew, he knew Ian, so we went down. I think the first thing when I met Ian was he didn't think okay this guy's going to be a good fighter or anything. I wasn't. I was same as any other kid but I had a stammer so the first thing I needed was a bit of confidence and with one year of doing kickboxing it went away and uh, it was then took a little bit longer than a few years until I was starting to develop signs that I could be a fighter one day and you, you say within a year the stammer was gone what how did kickboxing give you that confidence I guess um I was working with someone like Ian like um he's a person that <clears throat> uh, no matter who um he's working with he'll bring out the best in them he'll have their best interests at heart um, and there was loads of encouragement there was loads of feedback um, everything was positive and when you were working with Ian there was always a goal mm-hmm. and I felt like from very early on the goals were achievable when I achieved them I felt really good but there was always something else um, so Ian Ian brought me on like that and within within a year I could I could talk properly I wasn't uh, you know I, I wasn't stammering anymore it was it was just brilliant so I knew I was on something good and so did my parents so I, ke- I kept at it you're going to sit there at the start like that you weren't any good kind of um but obviously there was potential there because Ian like Ian, Ian has helped you an awful lot but the, the raw potential had to be there in, in the first place when you start to notice yourself that 
Jesus, I'm actually quite good at kickboxing. Oh, it was a while. Like so, <clears throat> it, I I was even saying this to my juniors who was teaching today even, and um, it it was about eleven when I started to show more signs. Like I wasn't any like I started at the same time as my brother Dominic and Hannah and my sister, and like if you were to pick three of us out of the three of us who would have the most potential you'd probably say my sister like I was very average um but I enjoyed it I really did I really loved it and um it was around 11 12 when I started showing potential my first three four competitions I did I lost uh, in my first fight it, it just took its it took its time but I stuck at it for reasons that were deeper like as in I felt like okay I'm getting confident from this I feel better about myself when I do it um, I love hitting pads I love sparring and um, I just love feeling like I'm developing and it was a real positive environment to be in at a, a young age to uh, see myself improving over the years did you try any other sports in or was it always solely kickboxing well uh, no I did um, I did a bit of swimming I was I was a good swimmer um I wasn't any good at football. I wasn't any good at um, rugby or anything like that. I did all those. I think my dad really tried to push me into soccer. No good at that. Um, yeah, I, I just um, I I just showed. I remember one day um, I came back from a kickboxing tournament and I had won. It was my first one I'd won, and I was so excited. I was so happy. I was a different kid, and my dad was must have been looking at me, going, "Oh, maybe there's more to this than I think. It's not a hobby, maybe you know." And um, uh, my dad started taking a bigger bigger interest then and then when that came on then I, I had a bigger interest and then Ian would be working with me a bit more one to one and I would because I've been sticking at it for so many years then at that point when I was maybe 10 or 11 um, he would be putting more one on one on me there would be more responsibility in the club I'd be holding pads for the younger kids and um, my dad got more and more interested and the more I fought and the more I competed my dad then eventually stepped in and said you know what I can give the judging a go and the refereeing a go and then now my dad is one of the top A class referees in um, in uh, Europe and the world so it was actually I started fighting and so did my brother and sister we started competing and my dad then really got into it then and he really then put sport and my dad then was doing the training with us and he was in every session and when we come home then they'd be talking in the van about what I did and what we did what worked well how we sparred how we did well how maybe we didn't do so well so we were constantly like it, it would draw, drive my mother mad at the dinner table where it'd be all of us just talking and my mom would be just kind of listening to this and my mom was a huge part of it and as well and that she prepared everything she prepared all the good meals and she did all the clothes and getting everything ready but um my dad had this big hands-on interest so um when you're growing up and there's so much talk about it at yeah. the dinner table and the drive home um everything was about kickboxing you know you just feel like such great support growing yeah. up. it's a real good environment to produce an athlete Actually, you actually preempted my next question. The fact you had that support and there was such kind of a common denominator between the family, that was a bit even more special. Oh, it was. And it was good then, like, I can grab my brother Dom and go, Dom, do you want to do some pad work? And every time it was yes. And same with my sister. And, um, you know, my dad was firm with me. Ian was firm with me as well. But I remember there was a time when I think it was 12. I think it was 12. Uh, or maybe it was even after I won my first competition. I came in one day and a few of my friends had quit and... I felt, I felt like, oh, do you know what? I'm sick of doing push-ups. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, what am I doing all these push-ups for? And I just went to my dad and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And my dad had already seen me kind of take a backseat on soccer. And um, he just turned around and went, no. I was like, what do you mean no? He's like, my friends quit. I want to quit. He was like, no. You know, I know what's best for you. Mm -hmm. You're going to do this one day and you're going to thank me for it. And he's like, you're going to do this and stick at this. You had a bad week. 
you'll have a better one next week. And then next week I did. He was absolutely right. And from kickboxing, I've gotten fit, strong. I've represented my country. I've got a job out of it, teaching classes and kids, mm-hmm. which I love. I love my job. Uh, I've even met my partner through it now, and we have a, a baby together. So my whole life has kind of stemmed. Like, if you were to go back to that moment, that was a very yeah. crucial moment in my life. And I'm so glad that I had someone like my dad in my life to go, no, I know what's best for you. You're going to do this, and one day you thank me. And I, I have. Because you were probably at the time probably almost cursing him silently, kind of saying, "Jesus, no, I do want to quit and stuff." But he yeah. he could see the bigger picture. He could see. Oh kind of, yeah, and it would have been. Stick with Tony, like. Yeah, it would have been so easy for him to go. Well, yeah, do you know what? I don't have to drive you down to training. I don't have to pay the mm-hmm. fiver for your classes or whatever, and um, I could stay at home and maybe you'll fall back into soccer. He could have easily had that mentality and been like, "Yeah, I don't have to do as much then." And you know, I could see how a lot of parents could fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad's just firm and he he knew that with Ian I was on something good and same with my um, my brother and sister he knew there was something good that we had gold um, we had a magic in the club that Ian was producing and my dad was like no we're not letting this go and he's like you're going to stick at this and you're going to thank me and, and, I, and I absolutely do couple of years later like obviously your, your junior days like world European level they, they went quite well for you they did um, I was uh, I was really lucky. Uh, I guess I starting off, I was very skinny, lanky, and thin. Um, not as what I am now, but like uh, very skinny and lanky. So I had a reach on some of the opponents I had, and I had a good front leg. Um, Ian knew from an early age I could kick quite well, so he honed in on that. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He. I remember he was like, "Okay, you're good at this. Let's make it really good, world class, and then work on your weaknesses as well." Um, so when I was fighting in these junior events, I was picking people off and keeping them away with my lead leg and scoring with my front leg. And um, I felt like I picked up an awful lot like that. I was soon known as that weird Irish guy with the weird front leg. Um, and it, it won me an awful lot of fights. There was a few fights then I lost and people had me figured out. Mm-hmm. And Ian was like, yep, yeah, you can't be a one-trick pony in this game. He's like, we also need this and we also need this and we also need this. And I was slow to adapt, but I did in the end. And I, I, I took on these other uh, styles and other ways of fighting and I added them to my game. And over the years, then I started to improve and I, I won against some really good top-class opponents from some really uh, top countries. I think 2005, 2006 were my first big, big, big wins. Um, but... It wasn't without my losses. I, yeah. I lost an awful lot as well yeah. uh, on the way. And so did my brother and sister and so did other people in the club. But it's um, you have to fail. You have yeah. to. And it's a thing where you, you get knocked down, you lose, you have your cry, you sulk. You're like, okay, what do I do next? And you talk to Ian and you make a plan and you go forward with it. Yeah. And that's how you improve and that's how you evolve as an athlete. Uh, and I learned that very early on. How do you cope with defeat? Kind of even now, kind of if you lose, would you sulk or would you just take it on the chin or... How do you... Yeah, like, I suppose Lily and Ian would know best. I definitely sulk. I definitely am not myself. I'm a bit hard on myself. and But I'm very quick to go, okay, where were the problems? There was this, this, and this. And Ian's almost like, take a step back. You know, just, you know, relax. You lost. Yeah, it's okay. You People lose. But take your time. Come back to it when you're ready. I'm almost like, oh, straight away. And it's the wrong thing to do. Sometimes you need to just take a step back appreciate the hard work you put into it yeah you lost but you put an awful lot of hard work into it so when I when I lose I sometimes go back too soon and I'm too quick to critique and examine so I guess I'm kind of like that I am a bit ratty and sulky but <clears throat> give me time I'm, I'm back to my mm-hmm. um, normal routine but I'm a bit more focused I'm a bit more hungry a bit more um, uh, aggressive with my training I really go into it um, but um, with a not in a bad way, I suppose. I hope I hope not, anyway. 
talking about, about losing to going back to one of the first ties your first senior world title it's 10 years ago kind of how are you so you were 17 18 when you won that yeah i was still doing my leaving cert so i was um i i just went out to pula croatia i fought out there in my last senior europeans i was um 17 um i remember going up to the nationals that same year and winning the seniors i remember going to ian like can i do the seniors and he was like no absolutely not like no like there's a difference between fighting a, a strong 17 18 year, 18 year old than fighting someone who's you know 10 years on that who's a fully grown man yeah and i was like oh i really really want to do it and um ian thought about it and then he was like we'll try it because it'll be good for experience so i remember doing pula in croatia i did really well i won i beat a croatian lad in the final i then um went to Vilak, uh in uh, austria to fight the seniors then uh, i think a month later and Ian was absolutely right. The guys hit harder. They were stronger. I stopped a, a Turkish lad in my first match, but then I was to come up against Russia. I was unknown. Mm-hmm. I was unseeded. I fought this Russian guy. He was the, currently the one to beat. I beat him, luckily. Um, we had a really good plan for him, but I was still messy. I was still young. I was still making mistakes. I wasn't strong like these lads, so I got bullied and pushed around, and I wasn't firm with what I did, but I still won on points, and... Then that same day, then I fought Ukraine. He was the current European champion. Um, yeah, I I just only beat him, and then the Polish lad in the final, I, I beat him comfortably. But um, I definitely felt there was a bit of a difference. I was really lucky in how I fought and how Ian got me ready, because it, cause it, it could have all gone sideways easily. But my tactics were spot on. But yeah, the transition. Um, junior to senior it was a scary one i managed to then win the europeans then after that the the next year the senior europeans which was uh, i think i think it was unheard of at the yeah. time ian ian seriously said look look this is a big deal and well done and mm. but um i managed to stay at the same weight 63 kg which like was winning winning the, the senior worlds at your first senior worlds and kind of we were almost kind of thinking this is easier than i thought it would be like you're, you're coming up against grown men and all of a sudden here is this like you said kind of 17 18 year old still in secondary school taking on the best in the world and proving to be the best in the world did you did you kind of think for a second jesus this is it isn't as hard as it should be or yeah i think um when i won it the first time uh when i won it in 2009 so i was, I was still doing my leave so it was a bit like it was such a big moment for me i remember like wow i can't believe this you know this is so crazy um and then coming home it was a bit deflating as in like I felt like it was a really big deal for me and I remember coming back for example now I came back to uh, I was in my sixth year so there was pressure on me to do well in my exams as well but I came back and my teacher was like where were you for the week and did you do any of the work while you were away it was like no all right you're gonna have to catch up in detention so on it was like what and no one really kind of I remember people thought I went on a holiday and I remember going no I'm going away representing Ireland so when I came back I was like I didn't get any recognition for this and um, or as much as I'd like, you know, it was a really big deal for me. But that was the the child, the kid in me. Yeah. You know, I was looking for um, admiration from other people. Where mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, I'm proud of myself, and I should have been. But I was a bit childish in my in my approach and the way I looked at it afterwards. And I think that's what then drove me on to kind of want to do taekwondo mm-hmm. down the line. I was like, okay, if I win a gold medal, everyone will know. If I win a gold medal in the Olympics, everyone will know, and it'd be a big mm-hmm. it'd be a big thing then, you know. Like, I got interested in that. Like, if you go back 10 years ago, kind of, but even now, still, Tony, kind of, kickboxing, like, you, you came home from the, the world with a gold medal. 
do you feel you get the recognition that you deserve? You know, Lily was world champion in 2015. Lily Delacour, uh, silver medalist, the last two worlds. Um, kind of Westcott Kickboxing Club, I was chatting to Ian. I think it's 14 world champions and 11 European champions since the club has been around. That's phenomenal, like, you mm. know, kind of... And this isn't, this isn't like, I know, like, people maybe listening to this will be like, oh, there's a world champion in every club. There's a difference between some world champions now. And mm-hmm. this is the thing I really want to point out. There's world championships in WKC, WOMA, there's all these federations, right? And they're not the same as in you could have a world champion from that and they could fight a teammate and it could have one fight. Yeah. WACO is the only one, it's the one we compete in, it's the only one that's recognized by the Olympic Committee, mm-hmm. which means it's on the way into the Olympics. It will be one day. Has the most countries taking part in it. You know, if you want to win um, a gold medal in the seniors or get to the final, you've got to win four or five fights, you know, and you're fighting against top class opponents. So, um, we we like so when we say we've produced world and European champions, we're not like off Mickey Mouse tournaments. These yeah. are these are really so it's really important to highlight that because that's one thing I run into I've run into over the years. And you say you're a world champion, and someone who's like, yeah, but there's a world champion down the road in this club and this club, and it's kind of like, well, you have to feel like you have to explain it, and it's a bit, yeah. it's it takes the wind out your sails a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but no. The real cause of it is all Ian. It's all what Ian puts into it. It's all his sacrifice. And um, like I bounce back off Ian loads now and I'm starting to learn some of the tricks of the trade in being a coach. And I'm learning from him. But Ian's been my role model mm-hmm. since, I was young, uh, since I was young. And a lot of the good habits I picked up for fighting have been from him. Like even after the recent worlds, you were telling me that um, you were so exhausted after, after beating the Italian in the fight, you yeah. won the gold medal. And next thing it was, it was Ian said, Tony, stand up and act like a champion. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's with a few of... swear words in there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, yeah, it's stuff like that. Like, you know, um, I was so exhausted. My chest was on fire um, afterwards. And Ian ran on, gave me a hug. But I just didn't have the energy to stand up. And, you know, instead of, well done, Tony, you, you did well. It was stand up, act like a champion. You know, like yeah. it was like, you know, like be a man. Come on, you know, get up. It was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but I just need that second mm-hmm. Ian's like that he's tough but there's times when he's like you know he's a bit softer too he's not all he's not all whip you know yeah. <laughs> like it, it's, it's those values like you go back to like a, a six or seven year old starting the club with a stammer he helps you kind of acquire that confidence you know 27, 28 and he's still teaching and he's still yeah. kind of kind of um, unloading his knowledge on you kind of yeah when he gets to know you he knows how you work and operate he knows that if I push him now he's gonna he could break he could be you know he could go backwards He's like, okay, this person needs mm-hmm. this person needs uh, confidence. They need reassurance, or this person needs to kick up the hole. Yeah. You know, Ian can play one, like because he knows his athlete. So when he's there, he'll know the right thing to say. Like mm-hmm. I get, me and Lily get sometimes a bit nervous, a bit tense before we fight. So rare, very rarely would he be like in our face and shouting and screaming and come on, you can do this and blah blah. No, it'd be more calm, relaxed, composed. Okay, this you do A, B, C. That's it. He gives it very, very simple. You do this. Okay, but if this happens, maybe change it. Sometimes you go into a fight and we don't necessarily have a plan. So he would just say, keep distance. We'll know in 30 seconds what to do. So he trusts that I'll have the right um, knowledge what to do after I figure out the person and I judge distance and I can score points. If something needs to be changed, I'll hear him say it, but it won't be overly complicated. We go in with very simple plans, simple mind, simple uh, like very tunnel vision when we, when we go to compete. And uh, Ian's very good at going, okay, Tony needs to be relaxed before we fight, so I talk calmly to him. Maybe this other person, sometime, I can't think of anyone, maybe for example in a club, I won't pick on them, but maybe, say, other fighter. Yeah, come on, you know, pull your finger out. You need to do this now, you need to step up a gear. Uh, they'll need a bit more of a, a push, you know. 
like obviously like you have the utmost respect for for Ian. He's he's coached you for twenty or so years. Tell me what Ian said to you back in 2012, 2013 when you decided to take a break from kickboxing and move to Manchester and kind of chase the dream of being an Olympic taekwondo. You you, moved, you wanted to get on the Great Britain team. Um, when you told Ian that you wanted to pursue this this different avenue and kind of try this, what did he say to you? He, well, he took, I can't remember exactly what he said. He took a step back. He was a little bit disappointed, I think, um, because he wanted me to stay in kickboxing and stay in the sport and... I completely understand that. Um, he was just a bit quiet with me at the start. I can't really remember what he said, but when he had time to think, time to process, he went, you know what, Tony, this is for you. Uh, this is what you want to do. You're never going to get this chance again. Uh, you're young, you're fit. Um, you don't have any responsibilities. You don't have kids or a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you, you won you a world title now. You've done what you want to do in the sport. Let's give it a go give it a go and you'll learn it It won't make you any worse it'll improve you as a fighter it'll improve you as a, as a kicker and why was it so important for you to try and to get to the, the 2016 Olympics in Rio and uh, in, in Taekwondo and get on that Great Britain team what was it, what was driving you well like so when I applied for the team they, they kind of said you know you've got potential and um and I, I yeah I absolutely believed it of course I did and and they they believed in me as well um uh, when, when I wanted to, to I, I guess I just wanted to give it a try. If I didn't try it, I would never know, and I would always live with, oh, what if, what if? Mm-hmm. So it was really important that I just try it, just try it and really go for it and give it my best, and I did. Unfortunately, it was never meant to be. I felt like, in some regards, I was too overly structured, uh, and I had a load of really good habits for kickboxing that weren't good habits for taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't on anything on their part. They did the best for mm-hmm. me. Um, I did my best. The coaches over there were fantastic. They they were really good too. But it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. I wasn't good enough. Because you three years away away from home here in West Cork, you were living in Manchester training professionally. Even though it didn't work out as an experience, a life experience, oh, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Oh, it was. You couldn't put a price on it. It was so mm-hmm. good. It was so good to say for a time I was a professional athlete. It was. Um, it was good where I was in an environment where it was all about the training. Mm-hmm. It was all about the competitions. I got to do so many competitions in the year. Um, I really got to understand about diet and um, proper nutrition and proper sleep. And uh, everything was revolved around performing mm-hmm. at the highest level I could. Now, it was the same in kickboxing. But when you're just to do kickboxing, there's no other job. There's no teaching. There's no this. They're running around or doing this. I, it was just training and just competition. Um, it It really... Um, it really highlighted to me wow what a life of an athlete a professional athlete is like and how close did you come because I was looking through some of your results there was a bronze in the Commonwealth Games you won gold in a Greek Open there was bronze in the Luxembourg Open so you were winning medals in Taekwondo not did enough you? not enough no I, I needed to win a whole lot more points mm-hmm. I would probably need to stay in the sport a whole lot longer but the thing was there was no guarantee it was it's so it's so cutthroat in that you know you could you could train for 9-10 years uh, be winning medals, be winning points, but it comes down to there's a lot of other people behind it that decide who goes to the Olympics. Um, there's also injuries as well. Um, and, you know, I could have put another four years into the sport. I could have lost relationships I had back home. I could have lost my partner over it. I could have gone and been like, okay, I could right now I could still be in, like I could be potentially in Manchester still now mm-hmm. living and training out there, but there'd be no guarantee I'd be going to Tokyo. And I think that would really... Uh, if I if I did another four years or three four years and I didn't make it to Tokyo, then I think I'd be I think I'd be really 
really gutted. I think it really would break me. Mm-hmm. I put my heart and soul into those four years and I didn't make it to Rio, but that's something I live with and I'm, I'm okay with now. But I had the option of going, okay, do I want to do this again for another four years at the chance of going to, to Tokyo? And I really asked myself and I said, no. I was doing this for a reason to win an Olympic gold medal, not to... I didn't. I couldn't say like, oh, I love taekwondo. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't say, oh yeah, I love this. This is my sport. My sport is kickboxing. I couldn't say, oh, I love taekwondo. It wasn't. I went in to do that because I wanted a medal. I wanted to get a gold medal. I wanted to get recognition. That straight away is a really bad start, bad platform. That's a bad reason to do a sport. <laughs> you know, you know, it's nice to be hungry for stuff, but you know, if it was karate, I would have done karate. Mm-hmm. If it was uh, Thai boxing, it would have been. I would have done that. It just happened to be Taekwondo. You were chasing that recognition you spoke about earlier. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a child. It was like a very boyish kind of, young boyish kind of uh, immature, immaturity that I had. I was like, I want recognition. I want people to know who I am and recognize my efforts. And I think it was, um, it was a bad starting point. Uh, You know, I I didn't love the sport going into it. I loved training in it and stuff, but it wasn't the same as my love for kickboxing. Like it, it probably was disappointing when that didn't work out, but at least you did have your partner to come back home to here in West Cork. You did have the kickboxing club, you have family and friends back here. So did that make it so much easier, kind of, to relocate from Manchester back here? It was because I had people back home that would, mm. no matter what. I had. I remember I kept in touch with Ian like every week when I was still in Manchester, and you know, Ian was like, "Well, Tony, if you want to come home, there's this and this and this I can do for you, and still, then we can get you back fighting." And and um, with my partner, you know, so supportive. Um, but again she had to move on with her life as well mm-hmm. we were having a long distance relationship for four years she wanted she was a bit older than me she wanted to have kids and she wanted to still also do some traveling and holidays and mm-hmm. if I'm training so much and only earning so much and I couldn't come home unless it was once a month or once every two months you know you're, te- you're telling them then okay yeah I want to do 2020 and she's like what you're doing this for another four years and she's like Tony I've got to get on with my life yeah. you know I can't yeah, be waiting yeah. on you so it was that, you know she's dead right to say that and uh, anyone could have been less patient but she was really supportive up until then and was like you know she, she had it in her head you know Tony's going to do Rio he's not going to do Rio but he's going to come home after that and then uh, when I was kind of teasing with look a year before Rio I kind of figured out I'm not going so I was kind of going you know it's Tokyo and she was like no, I've got no, no. You're, you're. If you're going to Tokyo, I'm not going with you. Not. Yeah. And that's completely fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I had to make a few really, really tough decisions. You came home then, like you said, West Cork Kickboxing Club was here, but and you and you did immerse yourself back in in the club again with with Ian and so on. Was it hard then? Kind of, you had gone from kickboxing to taekwondo, and you said there was probably hard to kind of trans like the structure and so on. Was it hard then to go back from taekwondo to kickboxing, or was that an easier transition to make? Uh, it was easier because um, you know. It was just something I've been doing since I was six, six, seven years old. Like um, Ian said, I definitely picked up a few bad habits, but he said I also picked up some really cool stuff that yeah. uh, kickboxers wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. And I definitely found that I was doing stuff that I learned from GB Taekwondo that kickboxers would never have seen. They would have never fought against some of the tricks I had. Is it just technical stuff or is it in fight stuff? It's or in, in fight stuff and technical stuff. It's tactical and technical. Yeah. Um, so I. Ian was like, yeah, there's something else to your game, but also your boxing's gone backwards. He was like, you're all kicks and your your hands are <laughs> your hands are uh, pretty shite. So he had to he had to go back and be like, all right, we have to go back to your basic on your boxing mm-hmm. and um, and work your hands properly. And that's what he was doing for the last three years, all leading to Bosnia. 
And you said all he's leading up to Bosnia. Like the results were improving, kind of was it the world two years ago? You got bronze, was it? Yeah. So it was kind of building up towards the Bosnia um, a couple of weeks back. Um, talk to me about that tournament. So five five fights, um, five wins, and you came home with gold. It's just an incredible story. Yeah. So I um, I went out there with uh, my teammates Greg and Lily, mm-hmm. and I went out there with also my dad and Ian Ian Kingston. Like before going out there, I was. There was no injuries. I was training hard, like, um, but I was training smart. I wasn't overdoing it. O- other years, I think I overdid it and I got injured or I um, I burned out. So I was really like, it felt like this is the first year I'm really in sync with my body. My diet was on point. I was losing my weight weeks and weeks before mm-hmm. I had to go in for my weigh-in. So everything was everything was perfect. I had a beautiful daughter at home that was just born who was happy and healthy and I had my partner Brida who was really supportive so everything leading into the tournament was perfect and Ian Ian was even saying you're the best you've ever in in test matches leading up to it he was saying you're the best you've ever looked you you look really sharp everything you're doing is right and um, I was still kind of like holding my breath going god any like there could be because you're just waiting for that when you've been injured before leading into it I was kind of holding my breath like oh you know there could be but it wasn't there was no injury everything was fine so leading into the tournament really looking strong I fought against a Spanish guy first um, again it was one of those fights where we didn't have much info on him Ian just said go out there the first 30 seconds you'll have him figured out I did um, second round there was a bigger lead third round I had him figured and, and I, I had him I had him well sussed and I was winning well uh, second fight was the one where it was really me and Ian had we, we knew this guy was going to be tough so his name is um, uh, uh, Vrej Petrosian, so he's a he's a Russian fighter, and I think in the last four years, one guy's beaten him, and it was very close even at that. So I was always kind of like, oh, I wonder what I could do, how I do against Reg, and I think his style would suit my style, and um, fighting his style would fight. Uh, I would suit my fighting my style would suit fighting his style, and um, he's a very forward, aggressive fighter, um, and uh, I knew he would come at me hard and and fast, and he has that massive tank where he could just keep coming at me in three rounds so like weeks and months beforehand fighting uh before i fought him i was visualizing fighting him i was mm-hmm. visualizing being in the fire with him and like, under the stress and um so me and ian had a plan we said right he's going to come at you match his intensity so that means just throw shots just throw hands and match his intensity with the hands but on the way in and out find a kick and I said to Ian, look, you know, there's going to be times in the fight where I'm going to be so tired where I just feel like I'm going to have to tuck up. Uh, but you need to tell me because some judges are bad and they'll score shots in the arm. So mm-hmm. I said, like, if that happens, you need to let me know because I'll be giving away scores. And um, the far- first round, I matched his intensity. It was crazy. It, it was all go, 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 go. There was no real, like, figuring out. He just came for me straight away. And um, I remember in the second round, I tucked up. I, and I just gave I just remember just going okay go go I need a break mm-hmm. just whack away I remember he hit me with like 12 or 13 shots on the guard and I remember him stepping back and giving me this really funny look like and I remember then shooting him a smile going I have you figured out I have you figured out now because um, at any time then I could tuck up take his shots and work him back and then as the fight went on he was losing less heart I remember at one point in the clinch um, I had his arm up 
however I lifted my arm, his head came down. I remember hitting him with an uppercut and he said something in Russian and it didn't sound good. I remember going, oh, I got a response there. So do it again. Yeah. So it was kind of like that. And um, as the fight went on then, he was talking to me in Russian and I knew it wasn't positive. <laughs> so um, I, I kept on doing what I was doing. Towards the end, I got a bit more confident. And I was like, come on, let's go, let's go. And I, I was looking for a strong finish. Like he's the world champ. I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to, um, I want a good finish. I want to slug it out. And it ended kind of that way. And I caught him with a nice kick at the end. But I remember coming out of it and going, that was my best fight ever. That was, that was, everything went perfect. My plan was right. And I know he went in there thinking I'd be an easy fight. And I, I, I just I was like, yes, that was so satisfying to, to beat someone at his caliber. But the boost you get of something like that, like you said, even in the fight, you could sense that he was getting frustrated. So if he was a fighter, to kind of see the, the little chink of weakness, you know, kind yeah, of, yeah. like you must get, almost grow a foot taller. Kind of. Yeah, like I was really tired, but I was putting on that I wasn't tired. Like I was like, come on, come on, uh, which is <laughs> something Ian wasn't happy about. You know, Ian doesn't like showboating or any of that stuff, but I was in the moment, I was really fired up and I felt it was appropriate. And then in, in the last round, Ian, the only advice he really gave me was just throw a bomb. It was throwing a big right hand down the middle, so timing the time between his leg dropping down, his hands following through, was timing with the right hand. And I remember hitting him as hard as I could, and just seeing the shock on his face and going, "Yeah, I am. I am strong. I'm stronger than this guy, and I'm I'm fitter too." Mm-hmm. And um, it transitioned over then, and I, I definitely took it to him then in the last round, and I was much stronger on the finish. And um, yeah, uh, so everything everything went to a plan. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I came out of that fight. Very pleased. And then my next fight was against a Ukrainian. He was tricky, kind of like the Spanish, but he had a bit more to him. Um, I remember in th- I, I dropped him in the first round with a side kick, and then I dropped him again, I think, in the third round with a back kick. And I knew after that um, he didn't have much left in him. Um, so I won by a good margin in that one. The next fight then I had... Which is a semi-final. Yeah. Semi-final. Yeah. It was against Switzerland. Um, I... I felt very confident fighting him. I saved myself for the final. I checked distance. I kept him away. I didn't overexert myself. I just did enough to win, but I I had another gear. I felt if I had to, if I had to, step it up. The final then was against an Italian. Um, me and Ian talked a plan with him and what to do, and he was a tricky southpaw. Um, leading into the final, there was it was a big show. There was a big gala. Lily was after fighting. Unfortunately, Lily lost to Gabriella Busa um, Ian came over and said don't let that affect you now just mm-hmm. just do you I went out there um, I, I did really well in the first round um, second round I let it slip a little bit third round I was really tired I was only up by one or two scores and Ian just made it simple he's like you just got to keep your focus you just got to keep it simple to the basics and that was it at one point it transitioned in his favour so he was winning um, I think going into the last 30 seconds I managed to pull it back with a few mm-hmm. scores so the last round was was um, uh, was very it was, it was all decided in the last even few seconds you could say but the last round was where I definitely won won the fight um, and it ended like that it ended on me winning on a single mm-hmm. point um, that close kind of yeah, world pe- champion in silver medal oh yeah people at home couldn't see the scoreboard so they didn't know mm-hmm. I'd won until Ian ran on the mats to give me a hug Um but it was so close. Even the Italians, who I know quite well, the Italian coaches, they were saying that was the best fight. Like, that was amazing. And, mm-hmm. like, there was people off their um, seats screaming and shouting. And it was so... It was it was one of those that came right down to the mm-hmm. end. And it was... Everyone was off their seats. Um, so I didn't pay any attention to that. Like, even if you... Even watching the fight now, it's kind of hard to remember. Oh, I don't remember doing that. And I don't remember that happening. It all just happened. It was, it was all 
all happened so quick. You actually seem quite sharp in your details when you remember you were fighting. I did this. I gave a left hook going in or out. But, but in it, the, is it a blur in the middle of it? Like how do you like? You seem to have very good details about looking back in fights. But when oh, you're in the Russians, some of the some of the other fights I do, I do remember clearly. But that fight in particular, I don't remember as much. I remember mm-hmm. hitting him and his eye opened up. His his eye like he had a cut in his eye. I remember that slowed down the fight because the medics had to have a look at it. I remember stepping off with a hook at one point. I remember catching him with a head kick that Ian said that didn't score. And I remember him sweeping me and knocking me to the floor. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of it, I don't really remember. Um, like in between the rounds, Ian popped up the chair on the, it was on like a, we were fighting on this big um, just kind of stage podium yeah. thing. And I just remember like lying back, having my eyes closed, not looking at anything else, just eyes closed. Ian had my legs up, just talking to me and that was it. And just focused on getting as much air into me as I can and then slowing down my heart rate and mm. that was it. So it was, I was definitely in a tunnel vision. The Tony Stevenson that won the world title 10 years ago was a boy. The Tony Stevenson that won the world title this year is a man, you said, with a partner, with a, with a beautiful baby yep. daughter. Um, you're kind of, you're 10 years older. How much more do you appreciate this one? Because you were telling me before, like, it made everything worthwhile. The, the early mornings, the running up Loch Hine, going up and down to Dublin for sparring, like, kind of, do you really appreciate this one? Can you really kind of... Yeah, I appreciate this way, way more now. Um, yeah, I. it's kind of hard to put that, like... I remember after Austria winning, Ian was like, you're a man now. And I remember going, I don't really believe you because I'm going back to do my leaving cert um, now. And, you know, and I was still very immature. This time, it just felt more right. It was really hard. It felt like I had to put in an adult, a man's adult work. Mm-hmm. Like it, like I think last time I still fought as a kid, I, st- I still won. I still luckily won. Um it was a bit more sloppy this time it just felt more um yeah like i i earned it as as an adult man as uh as as, as putting in the effort as mm. as anyone could possibly put in do you still search for that recognition nope no no nope. <laughs> not anymore don't <laughs> care yeah. you're kind of happy so like you're like you're, you're just a lot more content with where you are right now kind yeah of. yeah yeah like there's things like like you have that kind of ego that's like oh but you want to do this and if you do this you do get this and no, uh, I kind of ignore it now. It's a lot quieter. It's a, it's a lot quieter in my head. It doesn't talk as loud anymore. Uh, I have a daughter now. It gives me a completely different perspective. Like, you know, I could fight for another 10 years, but if it interferes with her, like, growing up and not seeing me as much, it's not worth it. You know, um, I'll do it to what extent I don't know from now on, like, how serious I will. I Like, I still think I'm going to fight, no doubt about it. I'm still going to compete and fight. I love fighting too much. But if it means that I'm not going to see my daughter mm-hmm. on weekends, if I'm training in Dublin and all this stuff, no, it's not worth, not, not worth it as much. There'll be there'll be some weekends, I, no, mm-hmm. there's no two ways about it. I have to go, I'll have to compete or I have to do this. But if it's every weekend, no, it's not worth it then. Because let's say Taekwondo, like is that box ticked, closed and put away now? Like, yeah, you're yeah. not going to go back in there again? No, no. So no. it's just, when it's martial arts now, it is kickboxing. But it's... Like you said, are you kind of pretty still undecided at what level? Like if you're going to commit for the Worlds in two years' time again? There, there was one thing that did pique my interest and um, I tried Olympic karate and I was talking to some of the guys on the the Irish team and I was saying, okay, can I do 2020? And they were like, no chance. You know, you're you're talking to us in twenty the end of 2018 and they were saying, no, you're not going to get enough points to go for 2020. But they were like, look, keep training, finish your kick. Because I was on about Bosnia. They were like, do Bosnia, mm-hmm. come back we'll train just karate and we'll get you ready for like we'll set our sights on 2024 yeah. and and that was a, a coach up uh, up in cork a really nice guy actually um and um he thought i had potential i was like, oh this is great i just remember one day you know you're on the toilet and you have your phone and you're just flicking through i remember going 
what? And it was the headline was um, Karate booted out of 2024 for breakdancing. I was like, no. I remember ringing him up going, what the hell is this? And he was like, uh, I was like, is it, could this be changed? He was like, yeah, yeah, they're on about changing it. They could change in December. So the decision could be reversed. Yeah. So it could Karate could still go in for 2024, maybe in December, and I'll know. If that does happen, I think I'll be, ooh, yeah. you know. The perk your interest. Yeah. That voice will get louder in my head, and I'll be like, oh, I could try that, you know. How are you at breakdancing? <laughs> I'm all right, you know. It's not too bad. No, I'm terrible. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. Uh, no, uh, Karate... Um, Maybe, maybe. Um, we'll There's see. options here, you, which is, you know... Kind of yeah, and I'm 28. It's not like I'm 38. If I was yeah. 38, I'd be like, no, no <laughs> chance. 28, you know... There's athletes that still have the prime and best in their career between 28, 32, mm-hmm. and 33. So, you know, um, I definitely want to keep fighting. Uh, I'll do something, but to what extent and how serious I take it, um, I'll talk to Ian and we'll mm-hmm. make a make a plan, you know. Coaching is a big part of you too now as well, Tony. Um, yeah. Talk to me about coaching. How much do you enjoy it? Oh, I love it. Um, like I do it at different levels in that I have... Like I have a youth development program in the club now and uh, they do test matches and they do sparring and they train two, three times a week and the ones that are really good are showing potential, I take them to competition and eventually hopefully they'll go on to be elites when they're teenagers. So the guys, for example, like Ian O'Flynn and Luke Cronin and Garrod and and Hannah Green and, and the Collins boys, they're all they're the elites in the club, you know, and um uh, basically my job will be to take on young kids to get them transition to be good teenagers mm-hmm. to join the elite team um, so uh, I, I'm loving that I'm loving that, that process and I'm, I love the idea then of getting to a standard where I can give them to Ian so the problem we had before in the club was um, there was just a kid who would be like I want to do competition and you'd have to have the chat with them with the mom and the dad and be like well look they're not ready or they are ready or the parent is over pushy and they go to tournament and they get hurt and they never want to do it again this way we can do test matches within the within the club mm-hmm. and take it step by step um then at the the youngest level like i teach four and five and six year olds and they're really funny they're gas um it's really lovely teaching them uh even sitting down and talking to them like i'm i'm improving on how to communicate with them and how to talk to them about um motivation and last week we had uh, an anti-bullying week where i talked to them about anti-bullying and what to do against bullying and um you know uh working with them and making it fun for them mm-hmm. and having them like just interact back and and seeing them get more confident and making friends in the in that environment and seeing them improve and then getting the feedback from the parents and going you know they're they're improved on the way they um the way they're in school the way they're at home they're they're more confident they're more focused they're more disciplined they do what i tell them to do at home in the evening hearing that kind of stuff makes it so worthwhile and um it's lovely then having my own students over the years progress because ian's had that ian's had me since i was six and seven and eight and i'm 28 now so he must have had he must have some joy seeing me improve over the years i want that i want a bit of what ian's had and i want to produce my own team and see them grow mm-hmm. into athletes and i think that'll be lovely for like a very like um um worthwhile rewarding you know that kind of because we did almost comfort circle kind of you're now kind of playing the role that ian did years ago when you joined yeah. the club and stuff so you can see you can see from both sides you now from a fighter and a coach and stuff and like you get enjoyment out of seeing these young kids um develop and, yeah. and progress and stuff um, yeah and that so like with fatherhood so would fatherhood have changed your kind of your outlook yeah. and your yeah, yeah like i remember when it comes to coaching and all oh fighting. yeah i remember when i was when a parent would bring their kids to train with me first 
before I was a dad, it was like, all right, yeah, another kid, cool, let's, you know, mm-hmm. we'll make it fun and interesting for them now. When I had my own daughter, Isla, I remember coming out of the hospital and going, wow, this is my daughter, and like, whoa. And how much uh, responsibility and trust would I have to put into someone to look after them for an hour? Mm-hmm. So when I kind of look at a parent now, I'm going, you're giving me that same trust and responsibility to look after your child for that hour. That's very like, wow, that's so nice of you. Thank you. So it's like completely, I, I overlooked it before, but now I appreciate I appreciate any parent then who would send their kids to train with me for an hour. It's very like, well, thank you so much. And it's such a lovely thing. Because I know, if, like I said, if I was to leave Isla with someone for an hour, I'd be still going, oh, you know, I hope everything's all right. And mm-hmm. they're doing, you know, she's doing well and she's not, kicking up a tantrum and stuff so i have a whole new respect for our parents in that sense since i've since i've become a dad you know mm-hmm. and, yeah. and even the same way that like you said your father made made a decision for you when you were 12 and stuff kind of you can see you now for from both sides of it, like you let to make decisions for for your daughter when she's older yeah. and stuff so like i'm not going to be like oh isla has to be a fighter mm-hmm. she's like i don't care if she's a world champion or not when she's older it'll be a thing where um she's going to do the sport because she's going to learn stuff that I learned, really important life skills. Like, I don't, like, again, if you win a competition, you win a medal at the end of it and you get a bit of recognition, that's lovely, that's great. That's a cherry on the cake. But all the other stuff, discipline, self defense, confidence, um, respect, these are things that, you know, will serve you in other parts of your life, not just kickboxing, you know, and um, they're, the, they're the tenets of any, like, good martial arts. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would her, want her to do it for that reason, but she's still going to do the others. She's going to learn. She's going to do a team sport as well. So she's mm-hmm. going to do um, a bit of football too. She's going to do gymnastics as well for her balance and flexibility. And she's going to do kickboxing for all the other things I spoke about. So um, when she's in her teens, then I imagine she'll want to just do the one. Yeah. And that's when I'll step back if she doesn't want to do kickboxing. and be like, mm-hmm. that's fine. You want to do football? That's great. Let's go into football. And I'll be, I'll be more like, I'd like to imagine I could be more like my dad and step into the sport like and follow her into her chosen sport the way my dad did. My, my dad... I don't know if it ever upset him that I never went into soccer or I never was good like he was. He was a good soccer player when he was younger and he wanted that for me. But at one point, he must have gone, soccer's not for Tony. Mm-hmm. Kickboxing, he really likes this kickboxing. Do you know what? I'm going to jump in with two feet and become a ref and, and learn and, and, and be part of the competition and be part of the atmosphere and be part of the training. That way, when Tony comes home with me, we can have a conversation and chat about what he's done. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I imagine that would be hard for some parents you know they drop their kid off and they go and they do their thing and they go shopping and stuff they come home and a kid would be like yeah i caught johnny with such and such spinning hook kick to the face and the mom and dad would be like oh is that good yeah <laughs> dad knew everything he would yeah. sit there in the class with us and i want to be that kind of dad i want to be a hands-on dad where i'm i'm watching i'm, I'm taking a huge part of it and i'm i'm interested as well do you know and no doubt when, when she's older and she reads your exploits she'll be so so proud of her dad come here tony thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me thank you brilliant cheers Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to all things sport in West Cork. Don't forget to pick up this Thursday Southern Star newspaper, including our award-winning sports section with everything a West Cork sports fan could want. In shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world via www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper. The Southern Star and the Star Sport Podcast. Number one for sport in West Cork. Great stuff there from Tony Kieran. A really interesting interview and um, just a great fella. And an inspiration when he was talking there about the work he's doing as a coach with the youth development now. It's just, uh, it says a lot. You'd look up to a man like him in West Cork, wouldn't you? Yeah, the wheel has come full, full circle. He was, like you mentioned there, 
he was six or seven he started off in kickboxing under, under Ian Kingston and kickboxing helped him um, he, he had a problem with a stammer but it helped him get the confidence to kind of move forward from that and now Tony is, is, is the man coaching young kids coming into the club so it's fantastic to see and it's it's great to see how, how, how positive kickboxing and sport has been on, on Tony's life and I think that's a that's a kind of a common team that a lot of sports people across West Cork and further afield can um, can relate to. Um, sport is just it's it's just it does so many good things, kind of physically, mentally, and so on. So it's great chat with Tony. So we really thank him for giving so much of his time to come in and chat with us here in the Star Sport Podcast. So thanks again for listening to this week's show. We'll be back at the same time next week. So if you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Acast, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to the show. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork.